Hello, and you're very welcome to another edition of The Others, the Alan Kinsella podcast, where we look at small parties and groups that have contested Irish elections over the years. This week is the turn of Aintoc Darren, a group led by Kevin Boland, uh, mostly ex Fianna Fáil members, who set up in a flurry of activity and popularity that 1,100 people attend their, their first meeting. There were branches all over the country. There was people leaving Fianna Fáil and everything. And then kind of faded away. They did poorly in the 1973 general election and even worse than the 1974 local elections. Thanks for everybody who's subscribed to the podcast. Please subscribe if you can. Um, the Patreon, is if you want to support the podcast and um, the website, is patreon.com forward slash electionlit. You can get me on Twitter at electionlit. Irish Election Literature at gmail.com. Irish Election Literature.com is the website, and I'm on Irish Political Ephemera on Facebook. Thanks. So there would have been no um, Aintoc Darren without Kevin Boland, without the arms crisis, and so on. Um, basically, the arms crisis, um, Boland resigned from the ministry. He was a minister. He'd been a long-time minister, resigned from the, um, as a minister, um, was, uh, and subsequently resigned from Fianna Fáil and resigned his seat. But you can, you, you know that famous clip of you can have Boland but you can't have Fianna Fáil. So there was, there was all sorts of trouble with Fianna Fáil, in, within Fianna Fáil at the time. Over that period as well, so you'd Neil Blaney gone, you'd Podge Brennan, you'd Des Foley. 1971, September 1971, he announced that a new party called Aintoc Darren was being set up. The new Republican Party, Aintoc Darren, to be inaugurated officially at a Dublin meeting on Sunday is overshadowed by the one major question. How many, if any, of the dissident Fianna Fáil TDs will jeopardise one particular future for another? The founder of the party, Mr. Kevin Boland, said that Fianna Fáil deputies dissatisfied with their party had a standing invitation from him to join the new organisation. They are no, no, they are welcome and wanted, but he admitted that he did not know if any would come to the meeting. Asked to estimate the numbers who might defect, the former minister replied that it could be anything up to 10 or 12. I believe there are now many in Fianna Fáil who believe that the party is not Republican. But whether they take the step now, I don't know. I feel eventually they will break with Fianna Fáil. Whether they consider this the time, I don't know. So it's uh, it's who's going to turn up um, at the meeting. Sean Sherwin had announced that he would be resigning the Fianna Fáil whip and joining in Talk there uh, TD. There was others like Bill Lockman who had expressed the government opposition to the government's policy on the North. But... He wouldn't be joining Aintoc there. Boland spells out aim, uh, aim of party. Aintoc Darren, the new Republican Party, got off the ground with a roar when 1,100 delegates attended the inaugural meeting at the Clare Manor Hotel, Dublin. Heard the leader, Mr. Kevin Boland, accuse Britain of a declaration and war on the Irish nation. The declaration of war on our country by Mr. Maudling, the one side internment with the dissociated brutality of, by the British Army, the black and tan type of oppression inflicted on the national majority in the six counties when it became apparent the British 
Britain's creation of a sectarian state in part of Ireland was crumbling have clarified the position. They have made it clear exactly what the problem is, Mr. Boland declared. Then followed an attack on the Taoiseach. Surely not even the Fianna Fáil government and party can any longer deny that the struggle for Irish independence is still against a British imperialism, as it has always been, Mr. Boland said. The viciousness of the British action to crush the separatist movement in the six counties had refuted the Lynch doctrine that patrician was a purely Irish problem to be solved amongst us. Mr. Boland said that the evil influence which continued to make peace in our country impossible had once again been clearly identified. But in spite of this, the leader of the Irish government has publicly announced his intention of accepting a settlement involving a further period in which there must continue to be conflict between Irishmen for the advantage of British imperialism. In the last critical month, said Mr. Boland, there'd be no constitutional party to voice the Republican sentiments that still survived among the Irish people. Consequently, there is now no alternative open to Republicans except the movement which patriotically inspired, though it may be errs in refusing to accept the fact that the people in the 26 counties operate a democratic system of government, owing allegiance to no outside power. A Republican movement there must and will continue to be. We do not aspire to form a splinter group of Fianna Fáil. Our intention is to start from the ground up a new and truly Republican party, to cut down the rotten tree that Fianna Fáil has become and to replace with a new growth rooted firmly in the old tradition of nationhood. Mentioned in that proclamation published 55 years ago over the names of seven extremists, seven terrorists, seven men of violence. Mr. Boland said that these men were characterised by the politicians and press of their day with the same epithets and epithets now used in Doyle Aaron and the press to characterise the people in the six counties who were resisting the same aggressor and continuing the unfinished effort of 50 years ago. These seven men who were accorded the death appropriate to their extremism, their terrorism and their violence were now ostentatiously venerated once a year, by men of moderation, men of submissiveness, men of peace, who all, who at all other times of the year condemned them in thought, word and deed. To agree to partition and to refer vaguely to an aspiration to reunification was a sick joke. The kite of another agreement involving the acceptance of partition has been publicly flown, added Mr. Boland. He nailed the lie that those associated with the new party had ever advocated the use of violence, but ruling out violence did not mean they should encourage the minority in the North to remain passive and abjectly submissive. It was wrong to treat those who had involved themselves in the defence of their homes and lives as criminals under, under our law or as enemies of this state. Ain't Darren without deviating from the policy of trying for a peaceful solution, would stand by our fellow countrymen who find themselves in the same situation that existed here 50 years ago. Every possible support should be given to the people, risen people of the six counties. Mr. Sean Sherwin TD, who has left Fianna Fáil, was the only deputy to attend the meeting. He said, the cancer within Fianna Fáil is spreading daily. He could not continue to subscribe to the politics of a political party that has lost his soul. Captain James Kelly, who was one of the people accused in the arms trial, accused the Taoiseach of buying up 
the northern nationalists with false promises and then letting them down without a qualm when political expediency, expediency required. Fundamental principles of the new party were announced as follows. To unite the people of Ireland in an independent republic. To restore the Irish language and preserve and develop Gaeltacht areas. To guarantee the fundamental human rights of every citizen. To ensure by encouragement the direct state action, the optimum development of the country's resources for the purpose of improving the welfare of all people of Ireland and providing full employment. To promote and develop the cooperative movement and other methods to maintain the highest practicable number of farm owners engaged in the agricultural industry. To have state control of the location of industry so, to, so as to obtain a balanced distribution of population in all parts of the country. Recognising that the human resource is the paramount interest in the economy to ensure that this interest is given adequate consideration in decision making both in the pri private and public sectors. To provide equal opportunity and adequate living standards for all the people. To ensure the weaker sections are given a just participation in the nation's wealth and to ensure by means of fiscal arrangements related to capacity to pay that the benefits of economic advance are made available for the whole community. To take appropriate action to ensure that a major part of the nation's assets does, does not fall under the control of outside interests. To safeguard the interests of the Irish people in any international agreement of alliance which may be concluded and to maintain our national identity and integrity in any such arrangement. The platform party was Mr. Parig Mooney, Joint Honorary Secretary, Mr. Sherwin TD, Mr. Jeremiah Carroll, Member Cork Corporation, Mr. Boland, Mr. Morris Condon, Chairman Watford, Ms. Noreen Nishkolon, Joint Honorary Treasurer, Mr. Patrick O'Callaghan Mallow, Joint Honorary Secretary, Mr. Eamon Keane, Kildare Organising Committee, Mr. Donald O'Brien, Organising Committee, Mr. Michael Burke, Mr. Sean Dunn, Mrs. May Ann Rin, Mr. Brendan Kelly, Cavan Organising Committee, and Mrs. Carmel Gleeson. And amongst them, Carmel Gleeson, Mary Ann Rin, Sean Dunn, Michael Burke, and uh, Jeremiah Carroll, so were all councillors. So already they had a TD, but they also had five or six councillors on the ground as well. So it wasn't just a, a top-down party after the launch. There's loads of articles in the local papers of, you know, the um, delegation from Limerick went to the, the party launch, a delegation from Ballinasloe, a delegation from, from uh, Longford, a Denmark, uh, de delegation from, from Offaly, from all over the country. And there was reports from Kerry everywhere and there was reports of branches setting up and people people going to the meeting and reports of the meeting then in the paper and people talking about what they saw and what they, they hoped for. It was interesting too, there was also expulsions from Fianna Fáil of people who had been seen at the meeting. So there must have been Fianna Fáil, Fianna Fáil must have sent spies to see who was there. Uh, there were cases in Clara and some other uh, some other areas where people who had attended the meeting or had expressed interest in Aintoch there and were expelled from Fianna Fáil. So all over the country, there was people leaving Fianna Fáil, helping found branches of Aintoch there. So it was a really exciting time if you were following Boland. And then there was meetings all over the country. But the, the, uh, there was a buzz about the place and, you know, there was an excitement. 
And again, who was going to, were, were others going to join? Who was joining locally? And it would, you know, the papers were, were um, full of resignations from Fianna Fáil. Of, the, the betrayal felt um, by many people at the lack of action by the, the, the Lynch government and the North were, was massive. So they were riding at the crest of a wave in a way. They were making waves in other ways as well and making some enemies. As I was saying, they had meetings all over the country. Hotel bomb attempt to kill Kevin Boland. News of a sensational attempt to assassinate Mr. Kevin Boland and some key members of his new Ain't Darren party in a Cork hotel six days ago leaked out today. A bomb which, according to explosive experts, was capable of blowing up the table around which Mr. Boland and his colleagues sat in the Imperial Hotel in the centre of Cork was found by hotel, hotel staff the following morning. Today, as Gardaí confirmed the assassination attempt, Mr. Boland said he had heard the day afterwards there was a bomb under the table during the meeting. There were more than 300 people present in, present in the hotel for the party discussions, and it was thought that the bomb, a gelignite acid and grenade mixture, would have blown out part of the building and killed and maimed scores of people. The bomb was hidden under the wide drapes which covered the table, around which Mr. Boland, Captain James Kelly, Noreen Neuskolon and Cork Corporation Councillor Mr. Jeremiah O'Carroll sat during the three-hour meeting. Today, Mr. O'Carroll, who runs a chemist shop on Barrick Street, Cork, said the earlier that day a friend of his phoned an assistant in the shop and told him he had heard that a bomb was to be planted in the hotel before the meeting. He said the incident had been shush, hushed up, probably to avoid propaganda for the Aintoch Darren party. He accused the Gardaí of keeping silent and hushing the whole matter. There was other reports then later on of other meetings where there were bomb, uh, bomb scares uh, phoned in uh, to these Aintoch Darren meetings. Now, whether it was loyalists or, <laughs> or uh, other people not happy with the, the direction of Aintoch Darren, I don't know. But it's just that this is, you know, these were real, that was a real bomb, you know, it's a, they were attracting attention from, from all sorts. The new party had uh, made, made waves in America too, and Boland um, was asked to speak in Northern Ireland in Washington. So the Irish American community were well aware of the new party. Mr. Kevin Boland and Chaplain James Kelly, Chairman and Vice Chairman of Ain't Darren, will leave for America tomorrow where they've been invited to address congressional hearings in Washington on the Northern Ireland question. The hearings which will be held over three days, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, the investigation will be before the House Foreign Affairs Committee under the chairmanship of Congressman Rosenthal. Others invited witnesses who are flying out tomorrow include Mr Austin Curry MP, Father Dennis Fall and Dr Con McCluskey of Dungannon and Father Brian Brady of Belfast. So it's interesting, you know, that the Irish America is well aware of them and feels they're capable of calibre to speak to uh, congressional uh, hearings. In early 1972, the party or first party or Desh was to take place. There'd been publicity, um, you know, that it was going to attract over a thousand people into the mansion house where it was being held. And there was high hopes of a big attendance and, you know, the new party would be get get um get a boost from it. Instead, setback for Boland party. Ordesh musters 300. Any immediate hopes that Aintoch Darren had of providing a serious challenge to the major political parties 
suffered a severe setback at the Mansion House Dublin the weekend. When only about 300 of an expected attendance of a thousand turned up for the first annual Ordesh of the new party. Mr. Kevin Boland, the founder of the party, who brought some 1,500 people to the inaugural meeting of the Aintoch Darren seven months ago, must now have little hope of persuading other Doyle deputies to follow the lead given by Mr. Sean Sherwin in teaming up with his party. Mr. Boland suggested yesterday that the low attendance may have been due to a certain lack of professionalism in organising the event. But it is clear that if the party is to create an impact in a general election, the whole organisational structure will have to be reviewed. In view of the fact that the Honorary Secretary reports a viable organisation in 15 constituencies and the nucleus of an organisation is in 18 others, it is surprising that only 300 delegates could be summoned to the Ordesh. Mr Boland himself got a rousing reception for his lengthy speech on Saturday night, but he must have wondered what had happened in the past seven months to dispel the enthusiasm that brought such a large crowd to the inaugural meeting last September. The audience reached a peak of over 300 for his address, but had fallen to less than 100 yesterday morning when the debate centred on social welfare, foreign affairs and education. Northern Ireland dominated the conference. The speeches were fiery and pro-IRA without equivocation. Nothing was said that could not equally have been said at the Sinn Féin Kevin Street Ardesh earlier this year. When speakers called on the IRA to fight, fight and not give up now to any appeals for a one-sided truce, they were cheered from the floor. The applause was repeated when, the delegate, when a delegate suggested that the people of the South should help the IRA and if the, this means guns and shelter, then give them guns and shelter. The same speaker hit out bitterly at the hierarchy and suggested that people would be better off listening to a number of priests who he named. Sean McSteerfon came in for many compliments and much advice. The only thing that the British understood, it was stated, was lead, lead and more lead. And the IRA were advised to go for, for the fellows with the pips on their shoulders. Another delegate told the conference he would die happy if his sons were to lose their lives fighting in the north. Mr Jack Sherwin, party, father of parties only Doyle deputy, was loudly applauded when he attacked the Taoiseach for letting down the Republican Party. He was glad he said that Kevin Boland, their leader, was a man with the principles of the men who died for Ireland. A provisional line was followed by many of the speakers and it was clear that apart from the different attitudes of two parties to recognition of Leinster House, there was little to distinguish Aintoch Darren from Sinn Féin Kevin Street in relation to Northern policy. Mr. Kaboland told the, the delegates at the end of Ordesh last night that he was confident of the future of the party. He claimed an attendance of almost 700 at the peak stages. Despite Mr. Boland's expressed optimism, however, it is clear that Aintoch Darrant has a massive uphill struggle ahead if it is to become an important force in Irish politics. With the Ordesh over, the, the party now concentrated on its campaign against entry to common, the common market, which uh, the referendum was to be held on the 10th of May, um, 1972. Abrogation, says Boland. Aintoch Darren last night warned that it would play its full part in opposing the government's proposals to amend the constitution for common market entry. Party leader Kevin Boland in a statement said that Aintoch Darren was opposed to the proposal that the constitution should be abrogated in the context of EEC membership. Mr Boland said that acceptance of the terms that negotiated involved renunciation of the national claim to the right of the people to exercise pure disdiction 
over the whole of the national territory. So when you talk Ireland, we're going to oppose the uh, Ireland's entry into the European community. The party have public meetings all over the country and regular opinion pieces in the paper, you know, who was for and who was against the common market. They obviously they produce material as well. Ain't talk air and Republican unity, referendum to amend the constitution. One, if you read your voters card, you will see you are not being asked, do you wish to join the EEC? You are being asked in effect, do you agree to renounce the present position in which only the people in a referendum can amend the constitution to hand this power over to the European Commission or Parliament, in which Ireland will have an insignificant voice. This is not necessary. We suggest you should make the government tell you which articles of your constitution prevent us from joining the EEC and explain to you exactly how they want them change. This is your democratic right. Two, the government have refused to exclude the articles which embody the national claim to reunification from the scope of the amendment. It is the clear intention to withdraw this claim. We suggest this must not be allowed. Three, our economy is not sufficiently developed to withstand the competition of intensely developed economies of the EEC. There is no regional policy in the EEC. With two and a half million unemployed in the EEC, and since Ireland is an isolated island remote from the development centres and populated areas, there is no reason why there should be development here. On the contrary, it is inevitable that many existing industries will disappear. 4. The high EEC food prices must result in a steep rise in the cost of living. This will cause widespread hardship, justifiable demands for higher wages and less competitive industry. 5. Benefits for farmers are illusory and temporary, and those farmers who may survive will soon find themselves in the same position as their colleagues in the EEC, who have to demonstrate against their treatment. The agricultural policy in general towards the disappearance of the small and medium family farmer. Those farmers are to be pensioned off, in other words, to be transferred to social welfare. 6. An association agreement or special trade agreement is the appropriate decision for us. For all these reasons, you should vote no, reject the terms, oppose constitutional change, vote no. So that was their arguments against voting. And as I say, they were quite prominent um, in that Labour, Aintoch uh, Darren, official Sinn Féin, um, Sinn Féin, Kevin Street, were the main parties, main groupings, and of course the Common Market Defence Campaign and so on, were the main groups against uh, the referendum. However, they looked back the wrong side in that 83.1% of the voters voted yes and 16.9% uh, voted, voted no. So it was re resoundingly uh, accepted. Actually, it was one of the record, one of the highest yes votes. You can argue whether referendums impact parties. But certainly if you're a new party and this is your first campaign of any sort and you're immediately probably alienating 80% of the voters, it's not a it's not a good look, especially because Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and a lot of the farming organisations and so on were in favour. Three days after the referendum, Cork mid Cork TD Patrick Ford passed away, which meant there would be a by-election and that by-election would be held on the 2nd of August 1972. This was to be the party's first electoral outing. Patrick O'Callaghan 
was chosen as the candidate. And throughout the campaign, Aintoch Darren ran a fairly busy campaign and also unveiled various defectors from Fianna Fáil within the constituency um, over the course of the campaign. There was Gene Fitzgerald was running for Fianna Fáil, Dennis O'Sullivan for Fianna Gael, Eileen Desmond of Labour and Patrick O'Callaghan was running for Aintoch Darren. Now, Mid Cork may not have been ideal territory for the party for its first electoral outing. And I suppose it was to test how, how, how they were doing against Fianna Fáil. In the end, Patrick O'Callaghan polled 1,172 votes, just 2.96%, and the party lost their deposit. Jean Fitzgerald um, polled 19,595 and won the seat easily for Fianna Fáil, retained the seat. And later on in the year, the kind of the party had a kind of whiff accord, I suppose, because of some element support of the IRA. Patrick O'Callaghan, the Joint National Secretary of Aintox House, was um, raided by the special branch, who found nothing. But it was, you know, why were they raiding and everything, you know? And of course, it made the front pages of the papers. So a general election was called for February 1973. So the party was getting candidates together. The party was to field 12, um, 13 candidates in 12 areas, including Boland and Sean Sherwin. And the other most prominent one was James Kelly, Captain James Kelly from the Armstrong, who was running in Cavan. So, for instance, um, just reading now from Captain James Kelly's leaflet. Do you agree that the ever-increasing cost of living must be checked? That meat is already disappearing from most Irish households and that butter and other essential items are likely to follow? that the consequent deterioration in the standard of living of the majority of the people cannot be compensated by the availability of cheaper manufactured articles, that the escalating cost of housing is a national scandal which is making it impossible to solve the housing problem, that it is in the national interest that the price of building land be controlled, that the newly imposed increase in the rate of interest of building society loans is unjustified and intolerable, that it is in the interest of the nation that agricultural land be kept out of the hands of entrepreneurs and speculators to ensure the survival of the family farm. That present rates of social welfare are inadequate and must be increased to enable recipients to live in reasonable comfort. That the present level of unemployment is unacceptable and that even adequate social welfare is no substitute for employment. That facilities for education at every level are unsatisfactory and that this is particularly so in newly developed and developing housing estates. That the present rating system is unjust. That taxation on essential foodstuffs is immoral. That Ireland will only be at peace when Britain eventually withdraws from Ireland. That it is incumbent on the Irish government to seek from Britain such a declaration of intent for withdrawal that the withdrawal of the right of trial by jury, the muzzling of RTE, the changing of the laws of evidence, which have stood the test of centuries, and the extension of party control into almost every sphere are signs of the development of a police state. That repressive legislation such as the OAS Act is intolerable to democrat in a democratic society. That it is unfair to ask the people for a blank cheque in regard to the forthcoming white paper when the election need not have been held until after the terms of the paper were known. 
that we should instead be engaged in holding a plebiscite to coincide with the plebiscite being conducted in the part of our country by the British government. That since the constitution now provides for votes at 18, this election should not have been held until these young people could vote. That personal integrity should be essential in, in, in government. Do you wish your children to grow up where treachery and the norm at the highest level? Your vote on February the 28th. Do you agree that the Taoiseach should use Doyle Aaron to mislead the Irish people? In Doyle Aaron on May the 9th, 1970, the Taoiseach stated that the first indication he got of the arms importation was on April the 20th, 1970. His Minister for Justice, Mr O'Moran, was quite categorical in his subsequent evidence as a prosecution witness in the arms trial that he had informed the Taoiseach in the few months before April of the arms importation. A final question. How precisely could violence be avoided in the six counties? By the government here using all its powers and capabilities as a sovereign government to force Britain to seek a solution in an all-Ireland context. International and diplomatic pressure, plus a worldwide propaganda campaign pursued with determination, would have been sufficient to ensure in the current world climate that Britain would not have taken the decision to let Freeland loose in the falls on July the 2nd, 1970. Instead, the Lynch government, by cooperating, collaborating with Britain, gave the go-ahead for repressive military action guaranteed to produce a violent reaction. It was because of this deliberate action that the war between the British Army and the IRA came to the six counties, a war to which Britain was not adverse, as the writings of its most notorious county guerrilla expert, Brigadier Frank Kitson clearly show. A fact of which, to my own knowledge, at least one of Mr Lynch's ministers, James Gibbon, was clearly aware. The Lynch government not alone betrayed Northern nationalists, to whom it had collectively promised so much, but it was willing to accept and cooperate in the British military action there. It is interesting to note that prior to the Lynch about turn in May 1970, the British Home Secretary was preparing a bill to prorogue. Stormont. So that was James Kelly's um, election leaflet or part but so you get an idea of where uh, Aintoch Darren are coming from. Alas for Aintoch Darren, the election was a bit of a disaster. Sherwin lost his seat, Boland failing to regain his and they, they won none. In fact I don't think they got 1% even of the national vote. Irene King got 416 in Galway West. James Kelly got 2,068 in Cavan. Michael O'Donnell got 472 and James Sarsfield 263 in Loud. Thomas Dolan got 906 in Lee Shoffley. Um, GA legend Joe Keohan got just 695 in Kerry North. Sean Toomey got 338 in Cork City Northwest. Gerard Carroll got 1162 votes in Cork City Southeast. Noreen Butler got 489 in Dublin North Central. Michael Gleeson got 1325 in Dublin North East. Fintan Murray got 705 in Dublin North West. Sean Sherwin just got 1340 in Dublin South West, where the quota was 6033. He lost his seat. Kevin Boland got 2142 votes, and that was it. Boland and Kelly. Got over 2,000 votes, but that was it. It was a bit of a disaster for the party. 
Anyway, after the 73 election, they kind of plodded on. Some of the, one of their councillors um, in Cork, I think Jerry Carroll, went um, independent. And so the 70, 1974 local elections were going to be quite important for them. First of all, there was difficulty finding candidates. Uh, they, they didn't feel many candidates at all, and many of them uh, polled poorly. In fact, you've a lot of a lot of the candidates actually ended up uh, polling less than a hundred votes, and nobody was even remotely within a shout of winning a seat. And that was council elections. I looked at the council results. I looked at the um, urban district council corporations and so on, and they were nowhere. Really appalling uh, performance. And I suppose that that in a way signalled that. It was going to be very hard to turn the tide when you had no longer any elected representatives. And they trundled on. There's talk that it kind of, um, as people left, um, a group of far-right people came into the party. The last electoral outing of Ain't Talk Aaron was in Dublin Southwest by-election in June 1976, where Kevin Poland polled 1,186 votes, 4.75% of the vote, in a contest won by Brendan Halligan of Labour. It was kind of, that was the end, like if Boland was only getting 4%, that was, uh, that was the end of it. And then, kind of later on, that month, uh, we found that Aintoch Darren meets at the Burlington Hotel this afternoon to decide whether it is to continue in existence as a political party. Leader Kevin Boland is expected to announce his personal decision to retire from politics and a number, a number of other prominent executive members are expected to advise that the party go into political demise. So that was the end of it as a force. I gather it stayed on as a, a kind of a name for a number of years some individuals kind of took it over but it certainly was nothing uh, there would have been very few of the original people um, that had left Fianna Fáil or, or joined the party initially and that uh, stayed on when you think of the party they made lots of mistakes Boland possibly even you know before the party was formed resigning his seat in the Dáil was probably a big mistake and then probably backed the wrong horse in the EU refer EEC referendum um, the ports of the Ordesh and that they were a lot more Republican um, than they let on and I suppose when it came down to it people, a lot of voters in the Republic didn't really care about the North yes they cared about it for, time, for a time but that was the reason the reason they came about was the Fianna Fáil attitude and policy towards the North Obviously, voters didn't feel strongly enough. Thanks very much for listening. Please subscribe if you can. Um, the Patreon as well is uh, patreon.com forward slash electionlit. And uh, loads more. I've loads more episodes planned of all sorts of groups and everything. Thanks very much.